grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as we come to the end of our Lenten journey, we've finally arrived at Holy Week. Now, it took us five whole weeks to get through the Passion story during our midweek Lenten services, but you're going to all get a full experience of it in just a few minutes when we together visit the Passion narrative according to Matthew. And I want you to pay careful attention to what happened in those final hours of Christ's earthly ministry, because the Old Testament writers either hinted at or outright predicted everything that happened. On the day we commemorate as Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a young donkey, hearing the voices of an excited crowd as they waved palm branches and shouted what is known as the Great Hosanna from Psalm 118, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Now, Hosanna is a Greek transliteration of two Hebrew words, and if you translate them, they roughly mean give salvation now or oh save, I pray. The popular view of what the average Israelite wanted in these dark days of first century Roman oppression was deliverance from these outsiders and restoration of the Davidic kingdom. They had hope that this promised Messiah would be a powerful man of action, one who would drive out the cursed Romans and reestablish self-determination for Israel. They had lost even the right to administer their, their own religious laws in the time when the Romans had taken over. And so they were no longer managing their own affairs. But the reason they were looking for a strong guy is that's why the, the, uh, the mob became so smitten with that decidedly uncharismatic murderer Barabbas when they're given the choice of him or Jesus, Barabbas had done something. He fights. But Jesus was fighting a much larger battle, a struggle for the very souls of those he came to save. The people, if they knew their Torah, should have expected someone much different from the popular hero they imagined. Their idea of salvation was much too limited, much too small. I mean, even Jesus' triumphant entry pointed to a different kind of king. In Zechariah 9, we see this prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. 
See, that's hardly the conqueror that the people were anticipating and yearning for. Now, I started looking through the Old Testament, and I found some very interesting things there. I started with Job. Job is arguably the oldest book in the Old Testament. And there, Job himself shares the big idea. Joseph told, or Job told this to his compatriots, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. And now this is the important part. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job knew that there would be life after death through a resurrection granted to him by a Savior. And as we explore further, we going back all the way to the earliest chapters of Genesis, we find the first clues about the coming one. As God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now this first bit of good news indicates that the promised one would take a significant blow from the serpent, Satan. But it would cost the the snake so much more by having his own head shattered in the process. Now much later, the prophet Daniel wrote about the coming Messiah. An anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. See, there's that same image again. The Messiah will be cut off. In, in Hebrew, the word they used means killed, means murdered. And he's being killed as he's in the very act of putting an end to sin and making atonement for it. And then don't forget what happened to the city and the temple some 37 years later. We also read in the Old Testament that the Messiah was to be pierced. And according to Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Also, Psalms 22 says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. In the first verses of Zechariah 12, the prophet adds this poignant cap to the whole thing. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Now, as I was 
reading up to, uh, to write this sermon, I found out about a hidden Easter egg that's inserted into the original Hebrew text here. Now, it's one of over 2,300 times that this particular egg is found in the Torah, and it's just two Hebrew letters. It's an aleph and a tov. Now, this combination is never translated in any of the scripture. You never see it. It's always hidden in other languages. It's only in the Hebrew text that you can find it. But when you look at it, the Aleph is the first letter of the, of the Hebrew alphabet, and the Tov is the last. Now, this would correspond to Alpha and Omega in Greek, and wow, that should get your attention, especially when you hear where it is placed in this text. If you were to vocalize it, the middle of Zechariah 12.10 would read like this. When they look on me, on him, Aleph Tav, or Alpha Omega, whom they have pierced. Ooh, that gives me chills. In the book of Revelation, John writes, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will mourn on account of him, even so, amen. And then it quotes, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The prophetic events continue in Zechariah 11. There's another striking Im image I came across. It starts out, so I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders and several verses later we find this nugget and they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver then the Lord said to me throw it to the potter the lordly price at which I was priced by them so I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter now, see how that tracks with what Judas does with the price of betrayal in our gospel today that we'll get to in just a few moments. As we continue along this passion trail, we find more specifics like this one from Psalm 22. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Notice how those play out as Jesus is abused by his captors. Then there is this from that same Psalm 22. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. And then how about the fact that Jesus offers no defense during his arrest or trials? From Isaiah 53, we find he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And you know, even the place of his crucifixion is identified in the Old Testament, it's found during the time that Abraham was told to sacrifice his 
only son, Isaac. After Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, in response to Isaac's question. The angel of the Lord stopped the proceedings just as he's about to plunge the knife into his son. And after Abraham saw the ram with its horn stuck in a thicket, he renamed this location Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Now, place names change over time. They, aren't, they don't always stay constant. People take over, they rename things. But the place that we're talking about here, where Isaac was going to be sacrificed at the Lord's behest, has been known as various things. It's been known as Mount Moriah. It's also been called Mount Zion. But more to our point, this place is located on the Temple Mount just outside the Temple walls. We know it as Golgotha or Calvary. The very same place where Isaac was going to be sacrificed, God the Father sacrificed his only son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? These are the opening words of Psalm 22, and they foreshadow the extreme anguish felt as a fully human, tormented Jesus experiences that moment of abandonment by the Father as he turns away, not being able to look upon the sin-bearer that his only son had become. Even so, the final verses of Psalm 22 speak to Christ's ultimate vindication. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. And just what has he done? As the writer of Hebrews put down. And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. This is what Hosanna cost Jesus. He responded to the cry of faithful people from countless generations, answering the call of save us. Answering it in the only way that would accomplish it. Truly blessed are those who come to believe in the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The one at whose name every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.